Thanks for downloading this episode of Cork Talk with me, Tim Atkin. A weekly conversation with some of the most famous people in the world of wine. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Nomacork by Vinventions. Driven by a commitment to innovation, the new plant-based Nomacork Green Line offers significant improvements in wine closure performance. Thanks to a rigorous oxygen ingress rate, you can decide which cork is best for your wine, whether it's for young and fresh wines or for those with ageing potential. By his own admission, Michel Chapoutier would fall over if he ever stood still. He's one of the most creative, energetic and dynamic winemakers on the planet. I caught up with the Enfant Terrible of the Rhone Valley to talk about Syrah, his enduring love of food, his overseas investments, biodynamics, the potential of Chasselas in England and his conviction that vintage is truth. It's quite an interview. Hey, Michelle, how are you? Good. And you? I'm really well. It's fantastic to hear you. Um, listen, where are you? Are you in the Rhone? You must be. Yes, I am in the Rhone, in, uh, in my office. Ah, very nice. In Tain-Lermitage. Yes, in Tain-Lermitage. Very close to the river. Close to the river and uh, very close to the best vineyard in the world. As well. You could almost go for a swim, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> the best vineyard in the world is Hermitage, right? Um, uh, you know, all, vine- all winemakers pretend that they have the best wines. But in Hermitage, we pretend that we have the best vineyard and the difference with the other is that is true. Yeah, exactly. It's very true. <laughs> and you've just been where, in, in Montreal, haven't you? In Montreal? Yeah, I've been in Montreal for a charity dinner. Uh, I was with uh, Emmanuel Renault from Floconcel, the Free Star Michelin. Yeah. And, uh, and I was only two or three days there. But I, I love Montreal because there is a very plenty of new restaurants with a very high level of gastronomy. And uh, and also the choice of the SAQ. Plenty of people are criticizing the SAQ. When you go there, you can have some interesting wine at very competitive price. It's extremely yeah. interesting. So that's the monopoly, is it? Yes, the monopoly. Yeah, the monopoly. Listen, I mean, I know you, you're a big food person, right? And I know you were born in Lyon. You were brought up in Tain-Lermitage. It's true you nearly became a chef, didn't you? Yeah, uh, I think I, I, I dreamed to, to, to be a chef. And I expected... If I would have not taken the, the winery Chapoutier, I, if I would have not bought the winery Chapoutier, I would have uh, tried to take the position of a chef. Yeah. Never mind, I, I, I cook every day. At home, I'm the cooker at home. Yeah, and, and, and you, you always eat a good breakfast. I remember I've had champagne with you for breakfast. That's important, champagne every day. <laughs> what, for breakfast? In breakfast, yes. I, when you want to drink some, you know, cognac for breakfast is difficult, but, but champagne is a very good, very good start. I mean, you know, your dad was a winemaker, your grandfather was a winemaker. Was wine part of your life growing up? Were you, were you thinking of becoming, going into wine? Uh, yes, it, the wine, I would say what, what is different is that in the past, the wineries, people were more oriented to their own wines more than wine lovers. So uh, my grandfather was a winemaker. My father took the winery um, uh, as a, a winemaker, but he was not as passionate as my grandfather was. Mm-hmm. I think my my father dreamed to be a, uh, wanted to be a, a teacher, and um, so uh, when I took the winery and when I bought from my grandfather the winery in 1990, uh, for me uh, the, it was important to change the style because. Uh, uh, even if they were in the wine industry, they were, for me, not enough open to the wines of the world and to the wines of the neighbors. And, you know, it's a good thing to, 
to judge a winemaker, go to see his private cellar. Yeah, that's, we'll talk about that later. I also want to talk to you a little bit about what you changed in 1990. But first, just tell me about the visit you made to Grace Family Vineyards in the Napa Valley, because I got the impression talking to you once that that was what changed your mind. What, what happened to you there in the Napa Valley? Um, you know, it was on a time. I've been a few summers staying with uh, at the Grace Family Vineyards. On this time, the, the, it was vinified at, uh, at Chemist. And it was the beginning of Craig Williams at Phelps. I've met um, and he became a good friend, Andrew Chilichev. Uh, on this time, uh, Larry Turley was still a surgeon and he had frog leaves and not the tardy vineyards. Frog leaves, so really? Yeah. <laughs> I start to be old. And uh, now, what was extremely interesting is that the level of quality of the California wines was amazing and it was the result of a very precise winemaking and with another thing is that plenty of winemakers were not children of a winemaker so they chosen that by passion when in france you had a lot of family where the zone was winemaker because the father and the grandfather was winemaker and sometimes there were a lack of passion and for this reason i was impressed and you know what was interesting? On this time, it was the depression of the French gastronomy mm. because there were not enough doubt in the way to, to do the cuisine. Mm. And uh, when it was the time that the Italian gastronomy was going up. And I had the impression that the, the wine, the French wines were, were on the same orientation, mm. that the AOC was used like a social guarantee for the winemaker and not like a guarantee of quality for the for the, the, the drinker. Mm. And when I came back to France, I said, okay, they are they start to be stronger than us, but they have freedom on administration, how to make wines that we don't have. Mm. And our strong point in the old Europe, because what is true for France is true for Spain and Italy. For the old Europe, our strong point is we have all vineyards with vines who used to be in place like 10th century, 15th century before. And uh, that shows that we have a microbiology in the soil. And my idea was to show that the idea of the AOC was not a marketing gimmick, mm. but was a scientific truth. Mm. And it's for that that's when I and that's when you that's when you came back because you studied, didn't you, in Macon? Remember you told me yeah, you, I studied, you studied winemaking and commerce, but that was useless, right? You learned nothing. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's because what I've learned, I knew that yeah. because <laughs> I was in the wine in in, in the winery since I was born. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Uh, so you learn, I would say, the solfege. But you, as a, a, a grandchild of a winemaker and a child of a winemaker, you know that. Uh, but I learned much more in California, and. On the beginning, I was, I think I was maybe weak to have not been in a university with a higher level. But very quickly, I said, but finally, I don't have some cliche in my head. Mm. And I am able to ask me some question that maybe when some people did some very strong studies mm. at very high level, they have a way of thinking that I didn't have. For me, the question was more important than the answer. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you said that you bought the winery from effectively from your grandfather in 1989, yes. didn't you? So your father left and your brother stayed with you for a while. I mean, yeah. what, what sort of shape was, what was the winery in it? Was it about to go bankrupt? It was in bad shape. Wasn't oh, it? It, was very, it was very close. It was, but on the big, you know, I remember the, 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 in 1990, the winery was 12 million francs, which is less than 2 million euro, and 4 million francs of loss. Ah, that was, uh, and I had a stock of wine that I didn't like because for me there were some chestnut barrel. They were they were they used to find the wine with, uh, and uh, and for me we had some potential of the best terroir in the world, mm. but the way the wine was done, you know, for my grandfather, for instance. Because I don't want to charge too much my father, mm. he, 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 would, he felt obliged to do this job. But for my grandfather and his generation, mm. very often the most important thing in the wine was the percentage of alcohol. Mm. And I said, we don't care of the percentage of alcohol. Mm. Learn to do wines with less alcohol, mm. but with a lower yield. And um, and you know, if, if what is interesting, how do you make alcohol? You need, you need to have more sugar, and to have more sugar, you need to more, to have more potassium. Mm. So you have some fertilizer with potassium, but that that was killing the soils. And for that, when I arrived, I, said, I have some. I didn't like too much these wines because the level of alcohol was too too high with the level of the the the, 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 the structure of the wine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were, you were twenty five when you took over, right? Yes, Which yes, is a exactly. very young. Um, I mean, what I'm did you do? Young. Still <laughs> You're still very handsome and very beautiful. But what did you do with the wine that you had in the cellar? Did you, did you sell it? Did you throw it away? No, no, no. We sold it with uh, some other labels. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was difficult, but we and we sold. We we wanted to start with from zero, you know. Hmm. So it was not 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 so easy. Yeah. And what did you change? You changed, you started in the vineyards, didn't you? So in 91, we moved in biodynamic culture, but immediately, so I stopped to use the chestnut barrel. Uh, I did, um, but even for the winemaking, you know, I, because the first, I was winemaker since 88. Mm. So in the, I changed things in 88, even in 87. But what was pity for me is that well, I didn't like the principle to find the wines and so, or to use the the, 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 the chestnut barrel. So mm. the first uh, single vineyard pavillon was the 89 mm. and it was moderate 89. And here I, I, uh, I was working on uh, Oak barrel. Mm. I've, I've bought these barrels from Burgundy, which was, uh, they, they were all barrels, but they didn't have the bitterness of the chestnut. Mm. And then I did some bottling with no sulfate, no 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 fining, mm. and no filtration. filtration. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. No filtration. Yeah. That. Uh, I mean, do, do you think? Do you think looking back, do you think were you surprised by how radical you were at twenty five? Yeah, you know, maybe it's because uh, I was not too much. Uh, I didn't pass too much time in, in the high universities. Mm. So um, I took some risk, mm. um, sometimes by lack of knowledge, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, you know, uh, for instance, if I would have had a strong, tough financial formation, probably yeah. I would have not taken the Chapoutier winery. Uh, because... 
uh, with my wife, we were we worked so hard, and each time we were discovering new things, and it was heavy to 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 to, to save and to to make the resurrection of Shabuki, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, you know I had the impression you know it's like when you climb in the mountains, you are I always think that you arrive at the top. But after no, there is more. There is more. There is more. <laughs> you became interested in biodynamics. You said you started biodynamics in 1991. What got you interested? Was it California that got you interested in biodynamics? Yes, because in California, what I observed, everything is was by the winemaker. Mm. So you could have exactly the same soil. You could split the soil for two vineyards and two winemakers, mm. and you could have on the same soil two different styles of wine, thanks to the winemaker. When you were speaking about them, it was winemaker, winemaker, winemaker. And when you were speaking about vine growing, hmm, the approach of vine growing, I would say if they were very in advance in vine in winemaking, they were not revolutionary in vine growing. They were more, I would say, um, lighter in vine growing. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that finally what was the truth was the agronomic work in the vineyard. Mm. And that they opened my mind when I said, okay, what they do is interesting, but a winemaker can never create quality. Mm. He can transform a potential in quality, mm. but he can't not create quality. Mm. And I think if we want to start from zero, we have to start with the potential of quality in the in the soil and in the viticulture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was biodynamics, basically. Yeah. That was biodynamic. Yeah. That was to have some some severe pruning. Mm-hmm. That was to have some lower yield. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was interesting. And biodynamic to work the soil. And uh... I, mean, I remember you once told me that you, 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 you believed in biodynamics, but you don't really understand why it works. Does anybody or not? No, no, I think that we understand more and more. Um, there is two two approaches to understand the biodynamic, or you have the esoteric approach, which is quite simple because if you take the traditional Chinese medicine, you are finally the Taoism approach is very close of the Taoism. You saying yeah? Taoism, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, uh, anthroposophy is coming from uh, um, uh, anthroposophy. Uh, so, ah, j'ai mangé, j'ai mangé le nom. Sorry for that. Um, to, from Theosophy, who is yeah. Elena Blavetsky, and yeah. Elena uh, did, was a Rush, Russian woman who w- worked with all the primitive civilization in Asia. Mm. And uh, so that on the esoteric approach, you had this way of thinking, which was interesting. But on a scientific approach, what helped us the most is the quantic mechanic. Yeah. With the help of the quantic mechanic, we accept today the notion of energy. What is more, we, we realize that the, the material doesn't exist. Mm. Mm. You have energy. When you go in the material, you have only energy. Mm. And that's and your so, way of understanding biodynamics in a way. It's yes. energy, yeah? yeah? And, you know, there is, there is a, uh, I like also to, to, to speak about uh, uh, Cliff Baxter, who was at the CIA and he worked on the, I don't know if I, if, if I want a book, eh? Cliff Baxter. Ah, oh, here. Oh, here, you're great. Ah, l'intelligence émotionnelle des plantes. It's okay. American, so I think you, you, find, you can find the book to live <laughs> in English. But, you know, it was interesting because what he, he showed 
in the in in the his research that uh, the plant was connected with the human. You yeah. know, he did the demonstration by uh, uh, you know he was making he was working on the on the machine to discover if you are lying or not. You know, mm. the polygraph. Uh, yeah, yeah. And right. one day he, he was waiting the result of the an experience. And he decided to use the electroencephalogram and to put on the plant. And he said, I will hurt the plant to see if the plant is suffering. And he went to take the light, a light to burn the plant. And when he came back before that he could burn the plant, the plant had a reaction. Okay. And after he did some experiments, he was at 4,000 kilometers. He received a telegram said, you have to come back to hurt the plant. And at the same moment, the plant was reacting even at 4,000 kilometers. And this guy shows that the plant is connected. Plants are, in, are intelligent. The, and you know, you have that in quantum mechanics, mm. the principle d'intention, the intentional principle. Yeah, okay, interesting. Tell us a little bit, because one of the things you introduced in the year you took over were your first single vineyard wines, the Selection Parcellaire. I think before that, your father was making, what, two or three wines? Not many. What gave you the idea of doing the Selection Parcellaire? Was that biodynamics as well? Yes, because... Uh, if you have if you have a better microbiological activity mm. you will have a better expression of the biological part of the terroir mm. uh, and it's interesting to know that if you just take an organic compost with a biodynamic compost you have 1 million times more bacteria by cube centimeters in the in the biodynamic compost yes compared wow. to the organic not the chemical Compared wow. to the organic, yeah. so we have bio the biodemy, a density of bacteria which is much 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 higher. And you know the minerality oligo elements are absorbed by the plant mm. only by the work mm. of the microbiology. Mm. It's not like you know uh, like nitrogen is absorbed by osmosis; it's mechanic. But the minerals will be absorbed by the plant. And for me, a wine is like an aromatic symphony. Mm. That's when the yeast will transform the sugar in alcohol and the mineral cocktail mm. in the juice mm. will make the cocktail of the... Each yeast will have its own aromatic signature. And that is what makes the taste of a wine. I like your idea of an aromatic symphony. Yeah. Yes, it's, and, 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 and you know, it's like you can be on a Syrah, but it's like if you take a piece of music, like the fifth of Beethoven, you can play that only with violin mm. or only uh, with coppers. Mm. Or, and, and what is interesting is that we have some granite, we have some granite, we have some, some sediment, mm. and that was the schist, mica schist, and it was interesting to mm. see one grape, different soil, same vine growing, yeah. same wine making, same vintage. And, oh my gosh, we and can make some horizontal tasting. The only one thing which is changing is the place. Yeah. Yeah, the soil. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when I was in California, plenty of winemakers said, well, I mean, no, 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 the soil, we don't care. Mm. The, the, maybe the climate can influence the taste, but not the soil. So I said, like that, I can try mm. to play and prove that the soil has something to say. And you're now doing, what, 34 different different Selection Parcellaire around the world? I look, looked on the website. Ah, maybe, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've done better work than you have. Tell us about the Rhone, because, you know, your, your, your DNA is in the Rhone, and we'll talk about the other places you work. But just tell us, 
about what makes Hermitage so special. You said you have one of the great terroirs of the world. Why is the Hermitage special? I, you know, for vineyard, I would say that very often the best soils are when you have a chaotization of the soil, when you are in a changement of geology. Hermitage is the cross point between Central Massif, pre-Alps, and the sediment of the Rhone and the sediment of the glacier. And when you watch the Hermitage, in a very small place, you have the first geological period, the second geological period, the third and the quaternary. Mm. And in a so small place, you have a patchwork of mm. soil. Which And it's for that that I wanted to make some different single vineyards, because I wanted just to show mm. that when you were, even in Bessard, when you are on Pavillon, and when you go on the top on Hermit, mm. you are on granite, but in the granite, you can have some nuance. 50 yeah. nuances of granite. But it's, it's those energies again, isn't it? You're talking about the energy of the Massif Central, of, of yes, the it. Alps, of the Rhone. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's an area of, of, of great power in a sense, isn't it? Exactly. But you know, when you go to Saint-Joseph, it's also, the, it's also amazing. Mm. You know, uh, for instance, I have a, a vineyard with Yannick Aleno, the, the chef, mm. and he's in Tournon. It's between the granite and the gneiss mm. in altitude facing northwest. When I bought that, I said, okay, it will be interesting. And I'm so surprised of, with the evolution also of the climate, of what we can find yeah. and the quality. But you you go in Saint-Joseph near south of Tournon, you have some different expression. And when you go to Lamb, some other places, and, and we can say exactly the same thing when we speak about Colas, which is the, the actually... The one of the vineyards that people are discovering and the vineyard in the north of the Rhone Valley of tomorrow is probably the rediscovering of the potential of Saint-Péry. Can yeah. you imagine? Do, do, do you think the Rhone will still be growing Syrah in 50 years' time? Sorry? Will the Rhone still be, the Rhone Valley still be growing Syrah in the northern Rhone in 50 years' oh, I'm time? Sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure for a simple reason. Uh, at first, we know now that the epigenetic is the ability of the vegetal to be adapted. Mm. If you take the example of uh, Australia, uh, we know that the first Syrah in Australia were imported in 1830 from Hermitage. Mm. And by the epigenetic ability of adaptation, we can see that these Syrahs of Australia are perfectly adapted with the climate to, the, to their place. degrees yeah. higher. Yeah. So we know that's the, 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 the adaptation. Mm. And it's for that, when I know that there is a South, uh, University of South of, uh, of America who pretended that because of the evolution of the climate, uh, the, they were probably in 20 years who will have big problems. But these people were maybe, they, they had a good, a certain knowledge in climate, but they have some deficiency in the knowledge of uh, of epigenetic of how, of how they will adapt, yeah, the varieties yes, will yes, adapt. Yes, yes. But, but um, you, mean, you, you started investing outside the Rhone in 1998, and I love this quote from you. You say, "You say if I stay if I stay and stand still, I fall over." So you're always doing new things. <laughs> so you've now got these projects. You're in Australia, Portugal, Spain, and other bits of France. Yeah, how mm -hmm. do you decide where where to go? And are they always joint ventures? What, where did you go not first? Not always, Australia, not Australia not first was it? Uh, or the first time I did an investment outside was uh, in Roussillon, and I was alone, in, in, uh, in uh, Bagnols. Mm. 
And because I consider that the Roussillon in Languedoc, Roussillon, is the equivalent of the North Rhone in the Rhone Valley. Mm -hmm. There is a complexity of terroir. Mm -hmm. And uh, what interested me was to have some amazing soil, which were not always understood or worked in this, that can be worked in different ways. Mm -hmm. Then after, the Australia was interesting because there were two things. South Hemisphere permitted us for our research department mm. to do to do to be two times quicker in our research, mm. and uh, we Australia had twenty years of advance on the the problem of how to work with the extreme climate, mm. and that's teach us a lot. And when we see the evolution of the climate, like the vintage uh, twenty two. If we are so happy, it's also because we have learned plenty of things with our experimentation from Australia, from Australia, yeah, from Australia, yeah. in the in the South Hemisphere. Yeah. Uh, then, for me, it was interesting because in Australia, it was the oldest continent in the world, mm. because I was always obsessed by geology. Mm. So the oldest is Antarctica, but it's difficult to plant vineyards there. Very difficult. Uh, <laughs> um, but after when you arrive in Australia. Uh, there were another bet which was interesting for, for me. The 20, 21st century state for Australia is the Victoria. Mm. Uh, and the, the diversity of climate and the diversity of soil in Victoria was extremely interesting. And when I was watching Australia in, in, the, in the end of the 90s, people were very focused on South Australia. Mm. And for me, the potential in, in Victoria was much, much, much mm. more interesting than right. uh, what we could find in South Australia. That mm. was, uh, and where, and where, do you, where are you in Portugal? So in the Douro, but the, Portugal was interesting also because I really fell in love with this, the, 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 the grape varietal uh, Toriga Nacional. Hmm. And uh, and you know I'm happy that now in France they accepted this grape in Bordeaux, uh, yeah, yeah in Bordeaux. But in, I think that uh, in that other region will take this grape because hmm. it's a really, really, really interesting grape. Hmm. And uh, and for me it was interesting to do some dry wine, not only port. Um, and you know the way we make red wines, we make a long skin contact after the fermentation to try to find a polymerization and to lose also uh, some of the vulgar or aggressive tannins to have rounder and more elegant tannins. And um, it was interesting because the long skin contact was not a habit in Portugal. Mm. And uh, it was interesting to us to, to, to have this long skin contact, to have some the velvety that we could find in the Toriga Nacional. I mean, you're also in, in, in Ribera del Duero, aren't you, in Sotillo. Uh, very good wines. I like the wines you make there very much. Do you, do you see Tempranillo having, having potential in France as well? Exactly, exactly. That will be... During a long time, we have to keep in mind that people were obsessed by the alcohol, as I told you for, mm. for the example of my grandfather. Mm. But uh, now people will have to be obsessed by when you have some blending of grapes in certain region in France... I think they can be helped by these grapes we, with very high climate can propose you wine with less level of less alcohol. lower poten potential of alcohol. Yeah. Tell me about something you once said to me, that vintage is truth. What do you mean by that? Do you mean that you don't want to touch the wine? You want the vintage to express itself? Um, in another words, I like to say, I don't try to make the best wine. I try to make the best pictures of the vintage. Mm. 
as possible. That's been what is interesting for me is, you know, it's like when you teach your, your daughter how to make bicycle, mm. you are behind her in case she fell. Mm. So you don't hold her, but you are here. Mm. That's what should be a winemaker. A winemaker should not be here to put his print. Mm. And what is interesting when you have, you know, I love 21, 2021, because I had the impression to be 20 years younger. Mm. And we had a colder climate, but we had the characteristic of the, the wine we used to have in the 80s and the 90s. Mm. And less You're talking about the Rhone, yeah? Yeah, in, about the Rhone. Yeah. Uh, but we had the same thing also in Roussillon. It was interesting, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, and for me, it was it, it is it is important. If you have a vintage which is weaker in alcohol, with mm. keep the signature of the vintage. Mm. You know, uh, people like to judge very young, but uh, I remember when I was in school and when I was seven years in school, in primary school, we say in French, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the first in class and the last in the class. Uh, now, when I cross them, it's not the same order. And, <laughs> and some of the last in the class uh, that I met in my, when I was a, a schooler uh, very, were very successful and some of the best were <laughs> not successful. And I have plenty of examples. You know, I mean, marriage, my marriage was in 86 and uh, the vintage 86 in Bordeaux is amazing for me. And people, some people said, oh, oh, oh. I remember my one of my friends, uh, my neighbor, uh, Norbert D'Entresang, you know, he used to have some trucks. Uh, Norbert D'Entresang is from 54. And when in, in 94, he had 40 years. He said, do you have some, some wine from 54? And I said, oh, yes, I have some Chateau Neuf du Pape. But the last time my grandfather tasted that, it was in 64. And he said, too, too old, 10 years after. So we opened, we had 600 bottles left. So we opened some bottle of Chateau Neuf du Pape 54, who was considered for a very bad vintage. And? Fantastic. Outstanding. <laughs> Outstanding. This, you know, with woodcock, yeah. rotted bacas. Perfect. Perfect. Something else I want to ask you about is you, you make some of the world's greatest wines, but you also make cheaper wines. You know, your Cote de Rhone, I think, is a fantastic wine. It's fantastic value for money. Which, in a way, is the greater challenge for you, to make, to make great wines or to make big volumes of very good wines? Which gives you more pleasure, in a way? Um, and I think it's the two are very important. You need two legs to work, you know. And um, what you know, when very often I hear from people, oh, I like wine, but I don't know why. Mm. So sometimes I say, but you don't need to be gynecologist to to make love. Mm. So you don't need to be enologist to taste wine. The question you there is a risk if the wine become too much intellectual. Then there is a dangerous snobbism. Mm -hmm. People are scared to taste wine. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, observe what's happened in Japan. After Japan has been a very strong market, and after only the old people who are drinking expensive wine, or not only, but the majority of old people who are drinking, mm -hmm. then the new generation didn't drink wine because it was a drink for all people. Mm -hmm. So when I started with 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 my wife, we had to, the quite the last, the smallest salary of the winery. Mm. And as a wine lover, I've been very often 
disappointed of what I couldn't find for first prize. And I said, it is extremely important. If we want that our profession and the art of the wine is will stay strong in the future, we need to show by the first price that who we are. The, 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 your cheapest wines have to be very good, yeah? Exactly. Your Cote du Tricastin or Cote du Rhône or whatever, yeah? Yes. You know, finally, it's easy to make a wine at 800 euros. Mm. It's easy mm. because you spend the amount of money you want. Mm. Much more difficult to make a wine at uh, 10 or 5 euros mm. because then you have to be, to arrive to do good. Yeah. And, but to stay in a price. And, you know, it's like in skating, in ice skating, you have imposé and libre, free movement and imposed movement. In yeah, the, it means yeah, controlled or pro, yeah, programmed. Yeah. There's, program, a program, right? there's a program. <laughs> so I really believe that it's interesting to Freestyle, yeah. Freestyle. Opposite of freestyle. Freestyle yeah. is free and the other one is, I don't know, programmed. Let's call yes. it that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, I've... I remember the last time I saw you, you showed me your business card. It describes you as a wine lover. And anybody who's ever met you would agree that you're a wine lover. I mean, how have you retained this passion you've got for so long? What, what keeps it fresh for you? What, how do you what, what, why do you keep going back to wine, as it were? But at first, you know, it's important that at home you must never drink your wines. Your own wines. Never. Yeah, you know them. Mm-hmm. And um, what is also interesting is to be, to be an open mind. Um, the best winemaker, there is two obligations for a good winemaker. To never be chauvinistic and to love to cook. Mm. And then, and, uh, so to be in the wine, that means that you must be open mind and to try always to discover things. Mm. And the second thing is you, to love the wine, you need to always keep in mind, what will I cook with this wine? How can, you know, food and wine is a marriage. Mm. And too often, historically, these marriages were based on a dominant and subordinated relation. Mm. That is a machist marriage. Mm. And the, the work of the winemaker is to say, and the wine lover is to say, okay, I have to find the marriage which will not bother the wine, but will not bother the food. If you take Sauterne and foie gras, mm. okay, the Sauterne is marvelous, but you kill the foie gras. So that's not a good marriage. That it's not a, a good match. It's a bad match. No, no, no. It's a, it, it, it is, it's a ration of power. Hmm. Hmm. So what is a good match with foie gras? Uh, I would say, oh, you can play different things. You can play with, with Vajon, but hmm. you can play also with rich white wine, but dry, no hmm. sugar. Not sweet. Whoa. Interesting. No yeah. sugar. We so, don't need the sugar because we have the fatness of the foie gras. We don't need to organize a battle between the sugar and the fat. Yeah. So keep the fat and play fat with fat with the fatness yeah. of the wine. And what do you like to drink at home? What are your favorite wine styles other than Rhone styles? Uh, well, I like plenty of things. Uh, actually, I work a lot on the chasla because I really believe what I've seen in Switzerland mm. and um, the potential of Chasla. And there is sometimes some old grapes. So I don't defend the old grapes because, you know, there is a big fashion mm. of people who go to find the old, bra- old grapes, which has been <laughs> forget. So, you know, sometimes if people have forget the grapes, it's because there is a reason. You know, it's like meat, mm. the meat in the food. When you have, 
people go to take some bison, some crocodile. No, no, if, if we don't eat this, it's because they are not extraordinary. It's like the kangaroo in Australia is terrible. <laughs> That's not good. So there is the old vintage, the old grape varietal, which has been forget. Hmm. Uh, very often is that there is a good reason. Like Chesla. But just no, sometimes it's because people were so obsessed by the power of alcohol mm. because the quality of the wine, mm. no, the wine was the first production, agricultural production, mm. where the difference of quality was done 200 years ago mm. by the percentage of alcohol. Mm. It's for that that more you had alcohol, better it was. For that, mm. that the red wine were put just front of the fireplace mm. to be warmer. Mm. You had the impression there were more alcohol. Mm. So... Some grapes which were producing less alcohol were considered as second quality. Mm. And, and for me, yeah. for me, if the chasla has been forget, mm. it's probably a mistake because chasla is very inter- interesting. And if one day I would plant some vineyard in uh, in Great Britain, probably that would be the chasla that I would plant. Oh, okay. Well, that's we we need to remember that. It'd be nice to have you in England, in the United Kingdom, with just love. It'd be fantastic. Listen, final final yeah. question I want to ask you because you've got you you've got lots of interests. You know, you're a great reader. You like vintage cars. You like art. You like antiques. Do you get the time to to to, to indulge those interests to take to do them? Because I know your kids are in the business now, aren't they? Because uh, Mathilde and Maxime, uh, how involved are they in the business? Are they giving you more time to do other things? Uh, that give me more time to 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 think and to read <laughs> and to drink. Good, important. And to drink and to eat. Yeah. That's important. Uh, Mathilde is in charge of the the, the, the sales and the business, huh? mm. and Maxine is on the technical size. Mm. That's a, that that's interesting. Yeah. And, and and just tell me one last thing: is anywhere else you'd like to make wine that you haven't made wine? I've always wanted to see you in in South Africa or South America, maybe working with Chenin Blanc. In, in South Africa, does that interest you? Uh, mm, I had I had a very simple, you know, I'm a farmer, huh? mm. uh, so I'm basic farmer with a basic uh, uh, logic. To go in a foreigner country, I wanted to be sure that the bank of the place was able to finance. So I would never imagine a revolution in South Africa. Mm. You have bought. A vineyard there, mm. then after they take your vineyards, and that you have to continue to pay back to your mm. to your country or to your bank the vineyard that you don't have anymore. So it was not so possible in South America. It was possible in Australia, mm. where the bank were welcoming you and said the okay, stability well, of the country the st- is it the stability of the country. Mm. I was not enough rich to take the risk to go in South America or South Africa. Yeah, I see. I understand. Well, so we won't see you there, but we might see you in England with some chasseleur. Yeah, uh, uh, that that would be interesting. <laughs> I think you'd be very welcome. No, because chasseleur, you find chasseleur only in Switzerland. Yeah, and uh, and and you know, um, we can't say that today there is a, a, a grape, a grape which is the grape of a Great Britain. No, you're right. Chasseleur is mm. probably the grape which have the best answer with the climate of Great Britain. Okay, well, any English winemakers listening to the podcast, Michel Chapoutier is going to do a Selection Parcellaire Chassela in England at some point in the future. <laughs> Michel, thank you. It's been fantastic talking to you. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Hearing your passion just comes across in everything you say. It's lovely to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Michel really is a one-off. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I did interviewing him. 
Next week on Cork Talk, my guest is the Swedish sommelier Andreas Larsson. Join me then. Thanks for listening to Cork Talk. If you want to read more reports, articles and tasting notes by me, go to my website, timatkin.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Tim Atkin, and on Instagram, at Tim Atkin MW. See you next week.